welcome back to Current Counseling. It's me, Rebecca Ramirez, your favorite Texas school counselor and licensed professional counselor in the making. I hope you all have been doing well since you last tuned in. For those of you who are new here, here on Current Counseling, we like to have a good time, sometimes a silly goofy one, while exploring mental health topics through an objective lens, while providing a safe space as opinions and thoughts are shared. Yes, for those of you watching, I read that off my computer. It's fine. I don't have cue cards yet, you know what I'm saying? I don't have a ring light yet. <laughs> We're just working with what we have right now. I'm like, you know, I embrace. That's okay. Um, Y'all, today has been such an interesting day. In fact, just a couple of minutes ago, I was eating some mac and cheese fresh out the microwave. And you know when you trust like a spoonful of something too much, like you trust that it's cool enough to eat? That's what I did. And on God, going down my esophagus, I felt like I was dying for three seconds. I thought I would have to call the ambulance. It was not great, you know? But speaking of heat, y'all, for those of you that live in Texas and honestly probably anywhere right now, because hashtag climate change, um, what is going on? It's honestly like disrespectful how hot it is these days. I don't understand. I'm a border child. I grew up on the border. I know like 110, 120 degree weather and I was so fine with it. I never complained. I was used to it. But for some reason now as an adult, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't, I just can't stand it. Is it like just me? Y'all let me know because... It's, it's overwhelming at this point. It's, it's, a, it's a wee bit overwhelming for me. I'm not having a good time. In fact, when I was growing up, I went to um, a camp. And at that camp, when we would complain about it being hot outside, they would tell us, guys, it's not hot. It's summertime. And this was done so we could like be more positive about the heat. So I've been using that my whole life because I was born in Texas on the border. So I'm like, no, it's not hot. It's summertime. I can't do that this year. This year, it's just freaking hot, okay? It's not summertime. It's just really hot, okay? There's no positivity in that, and that's on period. So it is what it is. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I wanted to say happy BIPOC Mental Health Month. For those of y'all who don't know, BIPOC means Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Um, it was created to bring awareness to the unique struggles that underrepresented groups face in regards to mental illness in the United States. So happy BIPOC Mental Health Month, y'all. Shouts out. We love you all so much. Um, and yeah. Hey, y'all. Just as a side note, if you are one of my BIPOC listeners, please let me know in the comments or in my DMs how I can better support you on my platform. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the podcast. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and dive in. Dive in today. Um, if you see me a little shiny on screen, for those of you who are listening, uh, my forehead is very shiny. I try to powder it. I'm sweating right now, okay? I'm in a really cool apartment, but not working. All right, anyways. But our topic for today is when should I get help? When should I get help? Meaning like when should I seek out a counselor or therapy? When is a good time? How do I know I need help? Um you know, how do I know? So we're going to kind of be talking about that today. I did want to say a disclaimer first. Therapy is not for everyone. Okay. Sometimes 
it doesn't work for everyone. Or sometimes we're like, I don't, that's not going to help me solve my problems. And I just want to say like, that's so okay. The point of this podcast is not to shove therapy down anyone's throat. It's to just bring education, awareness, and honestly to, you know, take the stigma out of seeking help because, you know, it's really, really difficult for people, um, for example, minorities to seek help because culturally that's not accepted or for men to seek help, right? Um, so I just wanted to just educate, bring awareness. I'm not saying you need, everyone needs to go get help, all right? Like that's just not the vibe. Um, so I just wanted to start with that disclaimer. In this life, no one is free from suffering. We all suffer, we all go through trials, we all go through traumatic experiences kind of in our own way, right? So with that being said, it's not super great to say like, well, I've been through worse than you have. Or that thing you're sad about is not valid because I've been the worst. That's like, I feel like the worst thing that we could say to one another. We don't want to do that. We kind of want to have empathy, right? We want to put ourselves in other people's shoes and realize we've all walked a different walk. You know what I mean? So someone who maybe you think their issue is this big, well, that's, that's their walk. They haven't been through what you've been through, right? So I think empathy is a huge part of, you know, realizing how we're all we've all suffered we all we've all gone through something right and you know as I said before that's where coping comes in how do we cope um and one of those ways to cope is if we can't handle that all you know on our own we gotta tell someone or talk to someone about it because grief you know depression is a lot it's a lot to hold just on our own without knowing skills to cope with it right I also want to say I see a therapist Okay, I see a therapist and a lot of people might be wondering, well, you're a mental health professional. Why, why would you do that? That's crazy. Um, you should have all the answers and you should also be like super good because you help people. And to that I say, you want to tell a doctor who's, you know, like a medical doctor, you shouldn't see another doctor for your health needs, right? So a part of me getting help is so I'm good and I'm ready to help others and serve others better. Because if I'm not at my optimal mental health, could you imagine me trying to serve others when I'm not feeling great or I'm sad or I'm like going through something, right? That would be not great. So um, I wanted to say that too because that takes a lot of the, stig the stigmatization of it off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, even therapists or like counselors seek help or – seek help or mental health professionals. Yeah, I would say a lot of us do. And when we go through grad school or school in general, we're encouraged to. We're encouraged to seek help so we can get through our stuff so we can help others, right? Um, and another thing I wanted to point out is that we have to take care of our brains. Just like we take care of our bodies, just like we go work out, just like we put good foods in our bodies to make sure that we're healthy, we also gotta take care of what's going on up here. We gotta take care of our brains. Our brains can get sick, believe it or not. If we go through trauma, if we go through uh, something terrible, or maybe let's say we are born genetically with a mental illness, we have to mend that somehow, right? Um, the brain is just like any other organ in the body. It's arguably the most important, right? Um, so if you like had heart issues, you would do what you needed to do to get back on track, whether that's like working out, whether that's like, um, taking medication for that, the brain is the exact same. So here are some signs that I 
thought were most prevalent um, for knowing, okay, yeah, I need to go talk to someone or I need help, right? The first thing that I thought of is um, your appetite and your sleeping. And what I mean by that is like, are you sleeping less all of a sudden? Are you sleeping way more all of a sudden? Or are you eating way less? Or are you eating way more than usual? Those two indicators I feel like are the best to tell us something's not right here. Because think about a time you've been really, really sad. Maybe you lost someone in your family. Maybe you went through a really hard breakup. Um, maybe something bad happened. What happened to your body? What happened to your appetite, right? Think about, you know, when you're anxious, what happens to your body? What happens to your sleeping patterns? So just kind of keeping that in mind, I think those are like some of the two first things to go when we start, our brains start not being so healthy anymore. Um, the second thing that I thought of was a fatigued body and mind. Um, all of a sudden you feel way more tired. Your body just doesn't want to do what it's usually doing in a routine, like working out or going out with friends or um, just being social, being yourself. Your body and mind are just tired, right? I think that's a huge sign. You have no more motivation for the things you used to do or the things you used to love to do. Um, that's another sign for sure. Um, another big indicator and a very obvious one is going through a traumatic experience. Um, like I said in the beginning, I feel like we've all been through some kind of form of trauma, right? You can call it big, you can call it small. You can call it, maybe it didn't impact my life that much, or maybe this really changed the trajectory of my life forever. Um, and that can really mess things up for our brain. Um, that could have a prolonged effect on us if our trauma was in childhood and it was a severe trauma. Even honestly, the little traumas have um, an effect on how we grow up or how we see the world when we're older. So childhood trauma is very, it's very difficult to go through and then for it to resurface in adulthood or in uh, your teenage years, that's really, really difficult. So what are traumas? What, what, what it constitutes as a traumatic experience? I only wrote down a few examples. There are different kinds of examples, obviously, like a breakup or a disaster. Maybe it's a disaster in your household, like your house burnt down. Or um, maybe you had a natural disaster, like hurricanes are natural disasters that are very traumatic, right? Um, or you have secondhand trauma. So secondhand trauma... Um, is something that you don't experience yourself, you kind of experience from the outside. So it could be like a friend, you know, that is very close to you got mugged, and you're kind of experiencing them go through that. So you yourself kind of get traumatized as well. Because someone you love, what their life was put in jeopardy, and they got hurt, right? Um, or it can be something like chaotic events happening in this world. Um, for example, like when JFK was assassinated, and how that affected people um, in the nation when 9-11 happened, how that affected everyone in the nation, or when school shootings continue to happen over and over again, how that can have such a big effect on everyone in the nation, um, especially educators. Hi, everyone. I didn't include this in the original recording because I was talking so fast, but I meant to say educators and students are very affected by these tragic events. Okay, back to the program. 
that's secondhand trauma and it's very real. Um, and sometimes we need help when those things happen, even though they don't happen to us. Um, it can really mess with our minds, right? Um, separation of parents, I wrote down, especially when you're a child and you watch your parents go through that and you're little and you want them to stay together. That's a pretty big traumatic event for some kids. Um, and even adolescents and maybe adults, right? Um, or separation period. Like if you get separated from someone, if you um, get a divorce, super traumatic um, for some, right? I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking for some people. Um, and the last one I put was emotional, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or witnessing abuse, like in the household, like domestic violence, um, or going through it yourself. And like I said, it really, it really has an impact on development when a child experiences or goes through those things. Um, in fact, the mind is so powerful that it can bury those memories very deep to protect us. Because when we're kids, we can't handle those events. When we're children, we don't even have the language to tell someone this happened to me because we don't really know what's happening to us, right? We, we don't understand. Um, we just know it's bad and it hurts. It hurts us, right? So our minds are that powerful where they can bury and bury and bury. So we're good for a very long time, but sometimes they resurface in adulthood or your teenage years and that's when a lot of individuals need help, right? Um, so all that to say, what is therapy? What is help? There's a big stigma around therapy. Um, when I thought of therapy before I went into grad school, I thought it was this quacky doc doctor sitting across from you and you're on a couch lying down and just kind of talking about stuff, you know, some pretty intense things, and this person is giving you advice. Um, and that's like not what uh, the modern version of therapy is. That might have been what it was in the past, but that's not what it is now. So I just wanted to tell you all what my definition of therapy is. But before I do, I wanted to say that therapy is a privilege. Point blank period. Therapy is expensive. It's not accessible. It's really difficult to see a therapist nowadays because a lot of therapists are full. A lot of um, psychiatrists even have a full caseload and you can't get in to see them. Um, so not everyone can afford therapy and it's not really accessible to all. We definitely need more therapists in this world. And we also need therapy that's affordable because it shouldn't be a privilege. It should be, um, a health right, you know? Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so I do realize that therapy is a privilege and I did want to put that out there because I'm not just going to stand up here and say, Hey, if you're going through these things, you need help and not point that out. I will give you all at the end of the podcast some resources, some affordable resources for therapy if you're interested. So you can go ahead and seek seek uh, help if you need help. So what I wrote as my own working definition of therapy is, it is a process of sitting with someone to process life events, feelings. Um, this person is supposed to be an objective figure. By this person, I mean the therapist. And by that, I mean they shouldn't judge you or give you their opinion on your experience. If you find that you're with a therapist who's like, you should do this, or this is what I think about this, or they're judging you, mm, 
I'm just telling you that's not a good therapist, okay? So don't stick with them if you're there with them. Um, that's just not good therapy. That's not good practice. That's not ethical. Anyways, um, yeah, they should not advice give or try to steer you in any direction. Um, they are simply there to hear you out or offer a safe space for hard things to be said and offer coping skills and treatment in the process. Okay, so what do we learn about therapists? They're objective. They're not supposed to advice give, but they're supposed to offer coping skills that may help you with what you're going through. And I think that's my own definition. I didn't really Google it. That's just what I've learned. Um, that's what I've seen. And that's honestly the therapist that I want to be one day. So keep your fingers crossed for your girl. I got a lot to do before I become a licensed therapist. So anyways, um, so before you kind of, or let's say you're in a place where you're like, all right, I really do think I need help. Before you like Google therapy or therapist in my area and you click the first one, I want to encourage you to do your research. Take your time. It's like going shopping, okay? I, you know, look around, see who you like, look at their picture, look at their website, see if you would connect with this person because that's super important. If you don't feel comfortable with the person you're giving your whole life to, therapy is probably not going to work, right? So by this, I mean, find your preferences. Would you prefer uh, a woman therapist, a male therapist? Would you prefer a queer person as your therapist? Would you prefer a person of color as your therapist? Just think of those things, and then that's how you can kind of narrow down the playing field. Um, if you're insured, if you have insurance, there's a number on the back of your card that you can call so you can kind of narrow down the list of who's in your area and who will take your insurance. Um, and like I said, we'll talk about if you're not insured or you feel like you can't afford therapy, I'm going to talk about places where you, it, there is affordable therapy and even sometimes free therapy. Um, so we'll talk about that soon. So let's say you go to therapy. Let's say you feel like it's not working for you. Like I said in the beginning, that's okay. But sometimes when therapy is not working for you, one, you either have the wrong therapist, or two, your symptoms are so severe that the coping skills you're being given are, it's, you can't. You can't cope because your symptoms are very severe. So usually when that happens, uh, therapists will suggest, they won't tell you, they won't be like, you need meds, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not nice. They'll suggest, hey, maybe you want to think about medication. And I'm here to tell you there's nothing wrong with medication. Okay? My belief is therapy first, then medication if that's not working. But when you're taking medication, you still need to go to therapy. So it's either therapy or therapy and medication together. Not one or the other, right? Because if you think that medication is going to be a quick fix or you want to use it to numb your symptoms, that's not a really good, healthy way to look at treatment, right? So the best way that therapy works, if your symptoms are too severe for therapy to work, is a combination of therapy and medication together. That is scientifically proven. Um, so... With medication, it can be very taboo. It can be scary. It can be really, really scary for someone to say, I feel like you might need meds, or you thinking to yourself, I might need to be on medication. Because there's been a lot of scary stories about, let's say, antidepressants, 
or mood stabilizers. Um, I feel like they've been almost villainized in a way um, to some people because what antidepressants and medication does is change the chemicals in your brain. Hi, me again. I meant to say not change the chemicals in your brain, but balance the chemicals in your brain. Okay, let's go back. So that could be like, okay, I don't know about y'all, but I like to have control. I like to have the reins and be in control. So when I heard medication, I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. Like, I don't have control anymore. This pill has control. And I don't really know how it's going to interact with me. So I would definitely say if that is something you're thinking about, do your research. Definitely do your research. Read about medications. Read about side effects. Read about things of that nature. For someone like me, that really helps if I read on it and I research it. For some people, it's like, that doesn't sound like it's for me. Let me not do that. So there's positives in it, right? So another thing I would say is talk to the experts. And by experts, I mean psychiatrists and maybe doctors. And I say maybe because to my knowledge, doctors don't study medication and mental illness. Like I believe they might take a course on or two on it more than a psychiatrist does. That's what they go to school for. They look at mental illness and they see which medications need to be prescribed for certain mental illnesses, how they interact, X, Y, Z. So for me, psychiatrists are kind of the people you need to trust and a good one <laughs> and a good one with um, your medication needs. So um, sometimes doctors want to give you something to numb you instead of improve your mental health. And we don't want to numb. We don't want to numb symptoms because they will come back and you will build a tolerance to your medication. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're researching or um, asking for medications that will help with the chemical imbalance in your brain instead of numb because that's not good. Sometimes people, you know, use medication to numb. They use drugs to numb. They use alcohol to numb. But that's just because they're experiencing pain. So that's like a very normal reaction. But the thing with therapy and let's say antidepressants is that that's a healthy way to get your brain healthy again and back to where it needs to be, right? So something I like to use um, is the broken arm analogy. And I use it because there is this big stigmatization with seeking help and with taking medication um, to better your mental health. So I'll say this. Let's say someone you know breaks their arm. What are some things that people do to mend this person's broken arm? Okay, well, first they go to the doctor. They take x-rays. Um, the doctor tells them this is what's wrong and that we need to put a cast on this so it heals. And then, you know, this person walks around. It's very celebrated. He, gets, he or she gets some signatures on their cast. And it's just this big celebrated thing like, hope you feel better. You look kind of cool with the cast. You know, you get to pick the color of gauze that goes around it or wrapping... I don't know medical stuff, wrapping gauze, I don't know, that goes around it. So it's kind of cool. It's made to be cool. And you hope they get better. You hope their bone heals. So why can't we look at the brain in the same way? Why can't we look at mental health in the same way? Your brain is sick. It needs help. How can we mend your brain? Therapy. And maybe sometimes, it depends, medication or the combination of the two. 
right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think finally, we're coming into a place in society where it's more accepted. I feel like um, my generation, I'm a millennial. I know that's cringe to some of the younger followers. Listen, who run the world? Millennials, okay? And that's on period. We can be cringe. I get it. But I'm just saying, our generation is making it very normalized to go to therapy. And I think that's great. And I hope it stays that way. And I hope Gen Z, y'all go to therapy. Your kids go to therapy. Your grandma goes to therapy. I'm just kidding. But like, I hope we all just start getting help. Because even if we're like, not in a severely traumatic moment, it's just good to talk to someone. Someone that's not going to judge you. Like, there are things you can't tell mom. There are things you can't tell dad. There are things you can't tell your brothers or sisters, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. There's just some things that you keep in here and you would rather go to someone who's not going to judge you and just spill it. It's really nice, guys. Shouts out to Erica. That's my therapist. We love her. She rocks. And she does not judge me. And I, I love her for that, right? So where can I afford help? Where can I find affordable help? Great question. I have some answers. Um, there are some great nonprofits out there. So by nonprofits, I mean, these are organizations that hire licensed professional counselors. Sometimes they hire like nurse practitioners or like psychiatrists too. And they're all housed in one place, obviously. And they get their funds from the government. They get their funds from donations and things of that nature. Um, they don't really get funds from clients, right? Um, so nonprofits, basically, you may not have to pay anything for therapy, or you may have to pay a very small fee at the end of all your sessions or after all your sessions. It just depends on which one you go to. But these nonprofits are so great, um, you know, for people who just can't afford therapy, there's professionals that are in these nonprofits that are super willing to help you. So all you have to do, this is the advice that I give, is look up nonprofit um, therapy in your area and see what pops up for you. Um, and nine, nine times out of 10, uh, at least in Texas, you will find somewhere that gives this kind of therapy, um, which is great. I love that, really, really do. So another uh, affordable, and I say in quotes because you do have to pay a little bit more for this kind of help, is an app called BetterHelp. Um, you basically get video and text sessions, um, and it's $60 to $90 per week billed every month. That's still pretty expensive, in my opinion. But if you do, like, let's say two counseling sessions every month, like me, because I'm on an educator's salary. Um, it's a little bit more affordable if you take my advice. Um, sometimes people don't like this though. Sometimes people don't like to text with therapists or have a video conversation with the therapist. I don't blame you. It's very weird for some people. Some people like the in-person attention, me. Um, but there's also people that just kind of thrive with that. And I think that's super great and all the power to you. So if you're like that, this is the app for you. Um, the Trevor Project for LGBTQ youth is amazing. Um, a lot of my students have, you know, visited the website or gotten help from the Trevor Project and it is absolutely fantastic. They have hotlines on the um, 
on the website. They also have something that you can text if you're kind of in a situation where you can't talk on the phone or it needs to be private, you can definitely text them. And yeah, I will be posting all this info, by the way, on my Instagram so that you all can have access to all these resources. Another uh, resource, another great resource, especially for the BIPOC community, is something called the Mental Health Coalition. They have this really great flyer with an immense amount of resources for BIPOC individuals. So I'm going to go ahead and also link that one in my Instagram. So let's say you're in a life-threatening emergency. Um, always call 911, okay, if it's a life-threatening emergency. But there's also the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, as well as a crisis text hotline if you prefer texting. Um, and like I said, I'm going to go ahead and put all these awesome resources on my Instagram. So if you guys feel the need to go ahead and take any of these resources with you or you feel like I need help, um, these are some great ones. And as always, if you all have any questions about these resources, where to find them or anything of that nature, I'm one inbox away. I check my inbox all the time, even the requested messages. So we've gotten to the question answer portion of the podcast. Yay! As always, guys, please send me your questions. I am always eager to answer. Um, this one's from Bianca Zapata25. Follow her on Instagram. Shouts out. She asked me, how did you come up with your name? Um, that's a great question. So during COVID times, it was March of 2020. And we had just gotten news that we are going to be on lockdown. I'm getting flashbacks and it's not great. Um, but I was like, what am I going to do with my time? I don't know what to do except lie in bed, play Animal Crossing, and watch Netflix. And like, that's fun, but not for days and days. So I was like, you know what? I'm reaching the end of my grad school program. Even though I haven't been in the field yet, I feel like I've learned a lot from my graduate school program. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in an Instagram. And I was like thinking, sitting there thinking about the name. And I was like, okay, what do I want to be known as? What do I want to stand for? And I thought about how young I was at the time and how modern, I guess, therapy and mental health has gotten. And so it kind of came to me generally quickly. I was like, well, current. I want to be current. I want to, you know, make sure my followers know all the current events of mental health. So I was like, current counseling. Oh, heck yeah. This is great. You know, it has a little ring to it. Both words start with a C. Let's get it. And then, sure enough, on Instagram, the handle wasn't taken. So I was like, it's meant to be. So that's how Current Counseling came to life. I still love the name. Even two years? Is it two years later? Yeah. Still love the name two years later. I feel like it's a great staple thing. And I feel like it's easy to remember. So this one is from Mario Gora. Shouts out. Go follow him on Insta. Um, he asked me, what was the most challenging experience you've gone through as a school counselor? I will say this, being a school counselor is a treat. 100%. I love my kids. I would say the hardest thing though, is not just the balance of assisting students with their mental health needs and doing all the extra things that I talked about. Go to episode one if you don't know what I'm talking about, but all the extra things that I have to do. Um, but I would say the hardest thing is hearing 
the stories that come from my kids. If you don't know, I worked in elementary school for a year and a half. So there's just something about hearing about a small child seeing more life than you've seen. It hits very different. And it's very sad sometimes. But in a way, it uplifts me because I can be that person that's there for them when they're telling me these things. Like they're the first person that they're going to see. Or I might be the first person that they told about this thing. So I would say that's the most challenging. Um, and I guess in turn, one of the most rewarding things as well. So thanks for asking your questions. Submit your questions to me in my inbox. I will be happy to answer them next time on Current Counseling. So it's been fun, y'all. It's been a good time. I hope you guys learned something today, I guess. I hope I was informative. As always, send your feedback to me. Tune in next time where we will be discussing the stigmatization of mental health. Hey, I'm so excited, guys. Um, I'm sending all the love, the hugs, and good vibes your way. All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Toodles.